This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, January 5th, 2024. You guys are aware that we have a new app, right? If not, you should download it right now. Head on over to your app store and type in CrossPolitik, Fight, Laugh, Feast, or Pub TV. Once you find the app, you may need to update your app, or if you have a Droid phone, you may need to delete your current FLF app and re-download it. Once downloaded, you'll be able to view or listen to our content right on your mobile device. As always, if you'd like to sign up for a pub membership, you can head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. That's FightLaughFeast.com, and we thank you for your support. Now we get to the news and some grim news right off the bat. Multiple people injured in a shooting at Perry, Iowa High School. Multiple people were injured in a shooting at an Iowa high school on Thursday morning, this according to authorities. At approximately 7.37 a.m., police received reports of an active scene at Perry High School in Perry. Officers responded within seven minutes of the active shooter alarm. Dallas County Sheriff Adam Infante told this to reporters. The total number of victims and their status have not been confirmed. Infante said authorities are working to determine that information and that there is no further danger to the public, saying, quote, The community is safe. We are just now working backwards, trying to figure out everything that happened and make notifications. There will be another update later on today, end quote. The Associated Press reported two gunshot victims were taken by ambulance to Iowa Methodist Medical Center in the state capital of Des Moines. A law enforcement source told the AP the suspect in the shooting has died of what investigators believe is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Infante said that the shooting happened before school began. Quote, Luckily, there were very few students and faculty in the building, which I think contributed to a good outcome in that sense, he said. Xander Shelley, age 15, was in a hallway waiting for the school day to start when he heard gunshots and dashed into a classroom. His father, Kevin Shelley, told the AP Xander was grazed twice and hid in the classroom before texting his father at 7.36 a.m. Kevin Shelley, who drives a garbage truck, told his boss he had to run. It was the most scared I've been in my entire life, he said. Rachel Cares, an 18-year-old senior, told the AP that she was at a jazz band practice when students heard that what sounded like four gunshots spaced apart. Quote, we all just jumped, Cares said. My band teacher looked at us and yelled, run. So we ran. Cares said students and faculty ran out past the football field with people yelling, get out, get out, as they ran. She said she heard additional shots while she fled, but was most concerned about getting home to her three-year-old son, saying, quote, At that moment, I didn't care about anything except getting out because I had to get home to my son, she told the AP. The sheriff's office, Perry Police Department, and multiple federal agencies also responded to the shooting. Authorities have identified a suspect but have not released their name at this time, the sheriff said. Multiple EMS vehicles were sent to the scene at 1218th Street, according to public safety radio traffic. Federal agents from the FBI and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, ATF, also said they were on the ground. Perry High School belongs to the Perry Community School District, about 25 miles northwest of Des Moines. About 1,785 students are enrolled in the school district, according to its website. Thursday was the first day of school after the winter break, according to the school's calendar. Quote, our hearts are broken by this senseless tragedy. Our prayers are with the students, teachers, and families of the Perry community. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds said in a statement and continued, I have been in contact with law enforcement agencies and am continuing to monitor the situation. I will be joining their press conference today. Elsewhere, federal judge dismisses Trump ballot disqualification 
case with prejudice. A federal judge in California on January 3rd dismissed a lawsuit that sought to keep President Donald Trump off the 2024 Republican primary ballot in that state. District Judge David Carter granted a motion to dismiss the lawsuit with prejudice which means that it can't be submitted to the same court again, according to court papers. A plaintiff attempted to argue that they suffered, quote, emotional injury as a result of the breach of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, while watching the events unfold on television, on the radio, and in various publications. They then argued that the incident caused them severe emotional distress and then filed a lawsuit to keep the president off California's ballot. However, the judge wrote that because the events occurred more than two years before the plaintiff filed suit, it was outside the two-year statute of limitations. The decision by Judge Carter, a Clinton-appointed jurist who had ruled against President Trump in a separate case, was posted online by former Republican National Committee for California Chair Harmeet Dillon. Quote, the remnant of the last California case to keep President Trump off the ballot here were dismissed today by Judge David O. Carter, she wrote on X. In recent days and weeks, a number of lawsuits have been filed in different states seeking to bar President Trump from appearing on the ballot ahead of the 2024 election. Those suits have claimed that the president engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States under an interpretation of the Constitution's 14th Amendment, Section 3, which was written in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. Civil War. At least two of those challenges have seen some success in Maine and Colorado, although there have been widespread speculation that higher courts or even the U.S. Supreme Court will strike those rulings down. Days before Christmas, Colorado's highest court ruled to keep the president off the primary ballot in the state, which was promptly appealed to the Supreme Court. Last week, Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows, a Democrat, unilaterally decided to keep President Trump off the ballot which has also been appealed. Ahead of the Supreme Court appeal, Trump campaign spokesman Stephen Chung said that, unsurprisingly, the all-Democrat-appointed Colorado Supreme Court has ruled against President Trump, supporting a Soros-funded left-wing group scheme to interfere in an election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden by removing President Trump's name from the ballot and eliminating the rights of Colorado voters to vote for the candidate of their choice. Legal analysis have suggested that the U.S. Supreme Court would take up those two cases and likely would rule against the plaintiffs at least on procedural grounds. However, it isn't clear whether the court will take up the more thorny questions presented under the 14th Amendment's Insurrection Clause, saying, quote, It seems a certainty that SCOTUS will have to address the merits sooner or later, Rick Hasen, a law professor at the University of California, Los Angeles, wrote on his website last month referring to the Supreme Court. Several other federal judges have also dismissed attempts to block the president from appearing on ballots. In a ruling issued in late December 2023, U.S. District Judge Leon Brinkma wrote that the plaintiffs, two activists who filed suit against President Trump in Virginia to keep him on that state's ballot, lacked standing. Elsewhere, trans murderer sent to women's prison, because that makes sense. In 2012 and 2013, a man named Stephen Buchanan murdered two handymen he had hired to do some labor around his farm in Oregon. After killing them, he fed their corpses to his pigs. He was eventually discovered and arrested for his crimes. In 2015, he was convicted with the judge telling him that he was a cold-blooded killer who valued pigs more than you value human life. Buchanan was sentenced to 50 years in prison, but then things reportedly took a turn for the strange. The killer was no longer Stephen Buchanan. Instead, he was Susan Monica 
claiming to be a transgender woman. As Town Hall reported earlier this week, Monica Nee Buchanan is now being housed at Coffee Creek Correctional Facility, a women's prison located in Wilsonville, Oregon. A transgender biological male who was convicted of murdering two men is serving a 50-year sentence in a women's prison, according to the report from Redux. The prisoner, Stephen Buchanan, who goes by Susan Monica, dismembered the bodies of his victims and fed them to pigs on a 20-acre farm he owned in Oregon, this according to Redux. Buchanan bought the farm in 1991 and killed two handymen in 2012 and 13. In 2015, he was reportedly sentenced to a minimum of 50 years behind bars. Quote, you shot two people and fed them to your pigs, Judge Tim Barnack told Buchanan during sentencing. I don't know how else I can put it. You valued pigs more than you value people. May sound harsh, but you are a cold-blooded killer, end quote. By this time, we've covered enough of these transgender prisoner stories that you should have already noticed a pattern emerging. There are men behaving badly who never seem to have any problem living as men. Then, while they are facing the possibility of a long stretch in the Crowbar Motel, they suddenly realize that they are actually women trapped in men's bodies, and they demand special accommodations. And if they live in a blue state on the West Coast, those demands are almost always met. If the details of these two killings don't do enough to send chills down your spine and make you realize how dangerous this guy almost certainly is, even at the age of 75, there's more. During court proceedings, the lead detective in the case told the judge that Buchanan had said he was worried that if the police found the other 17 bodies on his farm, he might never get out of jail. Police searched and did some digging, but additional bodies were not located. That doesn't mean they're not there, though. This guy is a certifiable lunatic who told the police, quote, I do not value human life very much, end quote. This is the sort of person we're putting in a women's prison. I'm sure some of the actual females at Coffee Creek Correctional Facility did some bad things to wind up there, though hopefully not involving feeding body parts to swine. But do they deserve to be exposed to a proven homicidal maniac who is pretending to be a woman? Town Hall has been covering stories like this for a while, and it never seems to end well. One trans inmate in New Jersey wound up impregnating two female inmates. His own mother said that the trans thing was a scam allowing him access to women. Another inmate was sexually assaulted by a trans inmate. Moving on, Sweden records the coldest January evening in 25 years. Europe experienced stark weather contrasts on Wednesday with extreme cold and snowstorms disrupting transportation and closing schools in Scandinavia while strong winds and heavy rain in Western Europe caused flooding and at least one death. Temperatures fell below minus 40 degrees Celsius and 40 degrees Fahrenheit for those of you around here in the Nordic region for a second day in a row on Wednesday. In Swedish Lapland, the mercury dropped to minus 43.6 Celsius, the lowest January temperature recorded in Sweden in 25 years, Sweden's TT News Agency reported. Extremely cold temperatures, snow, and gale force winds disrupted transportation throughout the Nordic region, with several bridges closed and some train and ferry services suspended. Several schools in Scandinavia were also closed. Police across most of Denmark urged motorists to avoid unnecessary trips as wind and snow battered the northern and western parts of the country. Mild but wet and windy conditions prevailed further south, where a storm wrecked havoc in parts of western Europe. In Britain, a driver died after a tree fell on his car in western England. 
England. Gloucestershire police said that the man died in the incident near the town of Kemble on Tuesday afternoon. The storm, which has been named Henk by official weather services in Britain, Ireland, and the Netherlands, has caused power cuts, transport troubles, property damage, and disruption across the UK. More than 300 flood warnings were in place across England and Wales on Wednesday, while 10,000 homes remained without power. A severe flood alert, meaning a danger to life, was announced for the River Nain on Northampton in England. Several residents were evacuated from houseboats and caravans at the nearby Billing Aquadrome. The UK's rail network was hit by flooding and power cuts, with many operators reporting ongoing issues for the Wednesday morning commute into work. The strongest gates in the UK were recorded on the Isle of Wight, just off the coast in southern England, where wind speeds reached 94 miles per hour, or 151 kilometers per hour. Hour. In the Netherlands, police near the city of Eindhoven said strong winds may have played a role in the death of a 75-year-old man who fell off his bicycle late Tuesday as high winds lashed much of the country. Parts of Germany were also grappling with flooding, which could be aggravated by more rain falling in the worst-affected northwestern state of Lower Saxony. And now for my favorite topic, sports. This doesn't really have too much to do with sports, but the guy who says it is a sportsman, Aaron Rodgers, back in the news. Aaron Rodgers says Jimmy Kimmel is worried about the Jeffrey Epstein files, suggests the NFL is rigged. If you thought the New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers had any designs on pulling back on his opinions in the new year, think again. During an appearance on the Pat McAfee show, the 40-year-old future NFL Hall of Famer suggested late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel might be nervous about the release of the Jeffrey Epstein files. Oh, and he also floated the idea that the NFL is rigged. Aaron Rodgers kicked off a segment with the host by embracing a conspiracy theory that the Super Bowl logo featuring the colors of the teams that eventually end up playing in the game. An ex-post by NFL memes in September included an image that explained the theory that showed recent examples. The group also predicted that based on this theory, the Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers would be facing each other in Super Bowl 58. Quote, if the Super Bowl Baltimore and San Fran, I'll tell you what, that Super Bowl 59 emblem better have jet green on it, said Rogers. I know you've seen that one. That's a real interesting one, Rogers said on that conspiracy theory. Here's what he said on the Epstein bit when it came to Jimmy Kimmel, by the way. I will say, I will say, Pat and, and, and fellas, that if the Super Bowl is Baltimore and San Fran, and I tell you what, that Super Bowl 59 emblem better have Jet Green on it. Because I know you've seen that one, Connor. That's a real interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's not get into that. Today. What are we talking about? What happened? What's the Jet Fifty Nine? What you just tied the Ravens and the Niners? Don't worry. In the Super Bowl Fifty Nine into something. Well, not you know? like well, the logos, look at the, the colors. Team colors that have been in. Look at the colors. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Ravens and the Niners. It's purple. That's red. Mm-hmm. Bring it up. Bring it up, Foxy or somebody back Seats there. Seats on it. We have Super Bowl Fifty Eight. You'll see it. The emblem. Put it on the screen. And then bring up Fifty Seven and Fifty Six. This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out. <laughs> Feels like, <laughs> feels like that's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out. Soon. Look at this guy; he's been it's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine he's cellar for this thing. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't. Ah, happen. <laughs> All right, all right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Uh, whenever Aaron brought up the the list, and then 
Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's off. been waiting That's for That's the that. one. <laughs> You've been waiting for hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely will be popping, popping some sort of bottle. Hey, because. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying, Rogers did not commit suicide if it comes to that. And that is your news for today. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you'd like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to our next conference, head on over to FightLaughEast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference this year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at Garrison at FightLaughEast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless. 